Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Living Well series, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity, which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. Now let's join them for today's message. We've been talking about these spiritual disciplines that help us grow in godliness. Today we're going to talk about kingdom giving. We're going to talk about stewardship of what God has entrusted to us. But the weird thing is, is when you look in the scripture, there are over 2,000 verses about finances. So if I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God, if we're going to look at the whole counsel of God, then that's something we have to talk about. Roughly 15% of all Jesus taught on dealt with money and resources, possessions. Now, when you think about when it comes to money, it's such a substantial factor in our lives that it actually displays who we are and how we use it. Like our personalities are put on display. Our deepest heart's desires are put on display in how we use our money. And if we're going to grow in Christ's likeness, if we're going to be more like Jesus, let's look at what does God have to say about how we use the money he gives us. And it starts out with this first understanding. We have to embrace this truth. The number one truth we got to embrace is God owns it all. When we say God owns it all, meaning everything you have belongs to him. Everything. He may say, well, yeah, God made people and he made the trees and he made the water and all of that. But like, you know, we're talking about money right now. What's interesting in Haggai 2, verse 8, when God was commanding him to rebuild the temple, he makes this, he makes this, what we would think this crazy statement. He talks about all the nations coming in to help build his temple and what he was going to be doing. It's, it's worldwide. The temple was about his manifestation on the earth amongst his people so that the world may come to worship him. So that was what the temple was symbolizing. And he said, we got to rebuild this temple. And he says this, all the gold and all the silver of all the nations belongs to me. And he says, the Lord of armies. So it, it's funny that that, that phrase is used because it's talking about, we're talking about this warrior God who fights for his cause and fights for his people. All the finances belongs to him. We have to reorient our minds from the very start. So if he owns it all, if all your money, all your moolah, all your bread, all your skrilla, everything that you have belongs to him, you know what we are? We are managers. We are stewards. We are directors that have been placed in charge of these resources. Now it comes, how are we managing it? How are we doing with what he has given us? As stewards, we have been authorized to use it. We're called to use it in a certain way that doesn't make the organization look bad. Meaning if he's owner, we're called to use all the resources, all the finances in a certain way that does not misrepresent our God. But yet bring glory and honor to our God. He's entrusted us with the resources we have so that we we may bring glory and honor to him. So we're starting with he owns it all. Now let's deal with these allocations. We have allocations for God-given responsibilities. 
Because he owns it all, he's put you in management over, and he has given you responsibilities to tend to, and he gives you the resources to attend to it. Well, since God is owner, and he has all command, everything is under his control and his command, and he's called me and you in Christ Jesus to live out a work and a purpose he's given us. Y'all do know all the things that he's given you is so that you may be your best to live out the job description he has for you. In Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven, not you. So, yes, he gives us allocations and we have responsibilities. You have a responsibility to take care of yourself. And if you have a family, you have a responsibility to take care of your family. First Timothy 5, verse 8 says this clearly says, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever we have responsibilities and God does hold us accountable to take care of those responsibilities so that's part of our financial obligations is to take care of those responsibilities so may we not squander don't waste and blow your money like people talk about, you know, the issue with gambling. The problem with gambling is you're wagering on something that's not worked for. And then it, it causes the family to suffer because the money's just been flushed down the toilet off of chance. Don't be wasteful. And it's something to pray about and think through. Because what you don't want, your responsibilities can't suffer. And we got to understand the difference between needs and wants. There's a difference between need and want. Like, you need shoes, but you want, you know, Gucci. Like, come on, but it's, it's a mindset. It goes back to God owns it all, and he's allocated resources for us to use to take care of our responsibilities. Now, I'm not knocking against wants. You know, if God has provided in such a way where your needs are met, and you have something to get what you want, you, you can be able to get what you want enjoy. Because, why? He gives us, what I tell you, he gives us the resources so that we can be the best we can be to serve in the job description he gave us, meaning he wants us to be able to rest. He does want us to enjoy life so we can be excited about what he's called us to do. So he don't want you walking around and mad and upset, but it does. We have to reorient our minds about what's important and what is important to him. And it takes a commitment to him and understanding who we are and whose we are. So we have God-given responsibilities, and he gives us the resources so that we may glorify him because he owns it all. But then there's this side of things, too. See, there's allocation for God-given responsibilities, and there's allocation that God gives in the resources he grants us for his mission. God has a mission for us in this life, and he gives you resources to help fund his mission. That's, what, that, that's, part, that's part of what he's doing. And so when we think about this, is that is that side of where those allocations that he gives is to be given towards his mission. Because remember, it doesn't belong to you. None of it belongs to you. None of it. Not one dime, not one cent belongs to you. He's given you authority and he's authorized you to use it, but he doesn't want you to misuse it because part of that budget is to be given towards his mission. 
So when we talk about giving, we talk about kingdom giving. It starts with understanding he owns it all. He wants us to meet our God-given responsibilities, and he wants us to use what he's given us to fund his mission. So as we fund his mission in the world, the number one thing we got to understand with that side of the allocation is that our giving is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's an expression of the worth and worthiness of God. So we sing at the beginning of the church. It's an expression that he is worthy alone and we sing no songs. And when we give towards his mission, it's an act of worship. Now, you may be saying, like, Pastor, you might be just saying that just you want us to give. Well, check this out. In Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 and 17, it says, all your males, this is for the major feast. He said, all your males are to appear three times a year before the Lord your God in the place he chooses. At the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of shelters, no one is to appear before the Lord empty-handed. Everything must appear with a gift suited to his means according to the blessing the Lord your God has given you. You know what he's saying? As an act of worship during these times, during these high these high uh, uh, celebrations of what God has done, it's a worship towards God. When all the men show up, don't show up empty-handed. Bring a gift. It's, a, it's an act of worship. And it says, and it's according to the means. It's according to what you've received. It's according to what God blessed you with. So he's not telling you to come with what you don't have. He's telling you to come with what he's given you. And it's an act of worship. Paul uses this language in Philippians 4.18. He says, but I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. And then he calls it this, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He calls the financial gifts that they gave towards the ministry a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That is all Old Testament languages for sacrificial worship to honor and glorify God. So when we give, when we give the finance that God has given us to be allocated towards his mission, it starts with the understanding that we do this because it's an act of worship. Now, we're talking about giving. Most times, whenever we talk about giving, it automatically goes to the question of the tithe. You know, what, what do we do about tithing? What do we say about tithing? What does the Bible teach about tithing? Should Christians tithe? Are we mandated to tithe? And we have these questions. Genesis 14 and in Genesis 28, before the law, hundreds of years before the law, Abraham, Abram at the time, his, Abraham got, his name became Abraham later, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, who was king and priest of God Most High, for gratitude for the Lord's protection and the victory God gave him. So before the law, before anything was mandated, out of gratitude what God had done, he gave a tithe because he believed God had given it to him. In Genesis 28-22, Jacob's response to God's covenant promises is basically, Lord, you do all that, I will give you a tenth of all I have. It's a response to God's faithfulness. So the first time we ever see a tithe is before any kind of mandated law. It's just a response out of a heart that's grateful for what God has done. And it does go into the, the Mosaic law. During the law, there were different tithes for different occasions and different, different, di different ways to give a tenth. And it was by law all to, to trust that God was provider. And that was part of the law. 
Then you get to the New Testament and Jesus makes this statement about he doesn't condemn the act of tithing. In Matthew 23, 23, he condemns that they tithe, but then they don't offer mercy and grace and justice in the more weightier matters. He says you should have kept tithing, but you should have been doing the other. It's interesting that it's not about the act. Some people have bought into the thing to think, if I tithe, then God will take care of me. If I tithe right, I go to heaven. And it's not just about the act. It's all about our heart expression to the Lord. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, with your donation, you can request your copy of Youth Matter, Kingdom Development, Kingdom Impact. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how youth should understand this time in their life's development, as well as impacting the world around them to the glory of God. Go to daryljones.org, that's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org, to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. That's why we here at the church, under the new covenant, we don't mandate tithing. We encourage tithing because it's not the law for us, but we encourage it because we see it pre-law, in-law, and then even after in Jesus, yet it's encouraged. But it actually goes beyond this because I read a quote that, that really got me, got me, kind of kind of got me to the core. He says, when we give into the Lord, you know, we're to give with the understanding that it's not how much should I give to the Lord. The question should be more of how much do I keep for myself? Because it all belongs to him. So how much do I keep for myself that I may live out the responsibilities God has given me? How much do I keep for myself? And then he got the rest. So it's above and beyond mentality when understanding he owns it all. But it all comes back on our understanding of how do we live responsibly? How do we live Christ-like? And not trying to please the world, but please the Lord. So our giving is a it's an act of worship. But our giving is an act of worship is to advance the kingdom of God. It's to advance the kingdom of God. We don't give so that we can get a check mark in heaven. We give to advance the kingdom of God, and that goes different ways. And in, 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 the, in the Old Testament and the New, you see the giving that was given to the people of God or in the church or even in the temple, Old Covenant, New Covenant, even in the church. One, it helped provide for those who were f- serving full-time in ministry so they may be able to fulfill the ministry. Two, it was able to also provide for the needs of the church, for those that had need. Some of us, we call that benevolence in the church. You know, when members have need, we're able to help them because we have resources to be able to help them. Also, it helped to maintain even the gathering place of the body. There's a passage in 2 Kings chapter 12, and then it's repeated in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, where it talks about all, all the silver and all the, all the finances that came into the temple, and, and God charges them up. He was like, y'all, the temple looking like crap, like it's messed up. We need renovations. He said, take all that, pay the workers to go over there and fix, make the repairs. And so, but you see this reflected in the scriptures. Yeah, pay the workers. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a discussion about even with people in full-time ministry, whether it's the pastor or even the staff. And you see in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18, basically it says, you know, that, that the leaders, the pastors that, that do well, that serve well, so they're doing what the Lord's called them to do. You know, they're, they're worthy of double honor. The, the worker's worthy of his wages. You see this repeated a few times in the scriptures that those that serve, they do well. And, and the reason is in the old covenant, the Levitical priesthood, the tribe of Levi, 
all the other tribes got an inheritance of land that they may grow food, they may live and prosper and, and, and do business. And the Levites got zero. We get like no land. And then the Lord told them this. The Lord said, I'm your inheritance. I mean, like, come on, for like for real, like we all belong to you, Lord. What you mean? I'm your inheritance. They were the Levitical priesthood and they lived off all of what the nation brought to worship the Lord. We're talking about kingdom economics, not how God provides for his people to provide for people all under the act of worship for his glory. It's to advance his kingdom, giving the missions. In the book of Philippians, it's, it's, it's clear. Paul celebrates him. He says that it's not just to the church. He's, they're actually given to support him as he goes out to share the gospel. And he says, hey, because y'all were faithful, uh, people in Caesar's household have gotten saved. And they rejoice. And then also the needy. Not just in the church, not just to fund missions, but, you know, you see somebody in need and you have to give. It comes from a heart of generosity. So as this giving goes to advance the kingdom, lastly, giving is a discipline. It's something that we just do. It's something that we exercise. So with that is, we got, we got to learn how to give cheerfully. This is one last passage I want us to read. It's here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 5 through 15. He says this, Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an exhortation. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. And as is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by his ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He says these few things in that passage. It's real powerful when he's talking about he's taking a collection for the church in Jerusalem. He says, one, going back to chapter 8, he says, giving is sacrificial and generous. It's, it's sacrificial in, in the sense of he even gives glory to the Macedonians. He says they even gave above what they even really had because they just wanted to help. They just wanted to serve. They just wanted to give to advance God's kingdom. Sacrificial giving. He says, but then give cheerfully. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, not out of compulsion. So if you feel like, I don't, don't want to give this. Remember, it's an act of worship. It's cheerful. The greatest lesson I learned in giving to the Lord, when I was 16 years old, I went to a, 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 it was a boys and girls club for an event, and it was the football team, and we showed up with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and a young man was coming around with a collection plate, and I had about $10 on me or so, and I threw it in the collection plate. Later on, I saw that same boys tradition where I grew up where people, when it's their birthday, they pin the money to their to the, uh, shirt. He was walking around with a wad of cash pinned to his shirt. 
And I'm like, hold on, man, that's that dude that took my $10. And now I'm like, man, we, I got to get my money back. The director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he said to me, he was like, Darrell, who, who'd you give your money to? I said, I gave it to the Lord. He said, I, you gave it to the Lord. The Lord know who you gave it to. The Lord will deal with him. And I just had a peace. I just had a peace because I gave it to the Lord. The Lord will deal with that. And that changed my life. Changed my whole perspective for the rest of my life to now. I give to the Lord. Now, if, if somebody mishandled, if somebody fooled me, well, I believe in God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Lord will deal with that. I don't have to take matters into my own hands. Why? Because he owns it all anyway. He said, give cheerfully. We give out of a trust. We trust God and who he is, and he will continue to provide. In this passage, what did he say? I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, they gave generously. He said, when you give, God will increase productivity so that your generosity can increase. So you may sit there and think, man, if I give this, man, I ain't going to be able to. And God is like, no, no, give it. I got some more stuff coming for you. I'll increase business. i actually bring more. You thought you only had that for this month. I'm going to give you a little more for the next month. Matter of fact, you don't even know what I'm coming through next year for you. I'm already working behind the scenes. Just trust me. So we give out a trust because we know that there's bountiful blessing for others and for the giver. Because remember, it goes back. It's all an act of worship. And then in that, you see in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, you go back and read it for yourself. Uh, may I give him be planned and systematic. You know, he talks about times. He even says this because they gathered, the early church gathered on Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday. He says, look, put the co let the collection come together on the first day of the week, and then when I come, we'll be able to have it, we'll be able to take it to where it needs to go. Systematic. So when we're talking about allocations for God's mission, think about God has given me this, so we have to budget. Give you a simple thing. Give, save, spend, right? So you, you know what you make for the month. Let's go monthly. You make this monthly. You allocate, okay, this is what we have. This is what I'm going to give to the Lord. What, how much are my needs? Okay, this needs to go to needs. Uh, do we need to put some aside for you know, savings for a rainy day if something happens, you know, something happened to the roof, something happened to the car. We need to have something for that. Put that aside, and then you have a plan of action. And implement the plan. Engage the plan. And you'll see God move in a way you never imagined. I heard this statement that was said that I think is, is spot on. It says that one of the most accurate measurements of spiritual maturity is seen in how one stewards their finances. It says we see spiritual maturity in how people use their money. Now, you may automatically think, oh, does that mean how much I give to God? No, notice I said steward your finances. Are you taking care of your responsibilities? Are you advancing the kingdom of God? Or are you advancing your glory? Your leisure. See, it goes back to he owns it all. That's why I love the passage, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Jesus tells these parables when he's speaking about his return. So when he's coming in his kingdom and he says, you know, this, this, this master was going away and he brought three of his servants in. And I'm going to paraphrase it. He said he gave one of them five. He gave one of them three and gave one of them one. When he came back to sell accounts, the one that had, had five, he... Increased it to 10. The other one increased it double up to six. The other one, he hid his away, and he says, I was afraid. I knew what kind of mass you were. I was afraid, so I went on and dug it. I didn't want to lose anything, and he takes from him and gives it to the one who had the most, and he removes him from his presence. And what's interesting about that passage, you see now, he's not just talking about money, y'all. He's not talking about being a good investor. He's saying, how are you managing what I gave you? And notice, he says, to one of them, he gave five. 
You ain't be sitting there. Don't be a hater. You got three. He got five. Don't be a hater. God gave you three. That means he wants you to work with the three. What you doing with the three? God gave you one. What are you going to do with the one? If he give you five, what you going to do with the five? Are you going to squander it? How are you going to misrepresent it? Are you going to mistreat it? Or are you going to do with it what he's called you to do? So when we talk about kingdom giving as a spiritual discipline, may we understand it starts with we are stewards with what God has given us. So you think about you, wherever you are in life, how are you handling what you have right now? Because I know we all want more. We all want more. We all want God to do it bigger and better. We want him to move faster. How are you handling what you have right now? That's self-evaluation. Because you're not ready for more if you're not handling well what you have right now. And if it's about you, you need to reorient. It's about him. So may I seek to glorify him and how I steward my finances and how I use my finances for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because where your heart is is where your treasure is. The more you love Jesus, the more you will be about Jesus stuff. I guarantee you. To where other stuff won't be that big a deal. The more you fall in love with the Lord, the more important the Lord's mission will be to you. And that will reflect in how you steward what God gives you. And however I can be a conduit, a pipeline for what God wants to do, may we seek to do so. Kingdom given. We advance in his kingdom all under his authority. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Living Well, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to donate to Point Ministries today and request your copy of Dr. Jones's book, Youth Matter, Kingdom Development, Kingdom Impact. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.